I, well, I, I think everyone has it. Everyone has that voice inside it, it like intuition, like a deep, a deep knowing, you know, and I think we have that, um, daily, daily, you have this voice that's sort of like whispering something to you and then you don't listen. And then it starts saying something a little louder. You still don't miss it, listen. And then it starts like banging on the door and you still don't listen. And then it has to like throw brick, bricks at you until you do listen. And by that, I mean, I'm speaking metaphorically, but what it is is like, and again, maybe this is a little bit like people wouldn't like to hear this, but you know, a lot of like disease and illness in my belief and in my experience in life, you know, has to do with life trying to wake you up, you know, cause you haven't been listening. Um, so it's a, it's a, it's sort of like a wake up call. My name is Dylan Birch. Over the past four years, I've been traveling Canada via train, plane, and even hitchhike, working anywhere from McDonald's to lighting films. What I've found sparks my curiosity is how much we can learn from a meaningful conversation. When we engage with curiosity, it helps us better connect with ourselves and with others. Deeper connection raises levels of dopamine, oxytocin, endorphins, and other well-being biochemicals in our brain. We can create positive benefits for our body and our mind. This makes conversation part of the cure. This is the Curiosity Curve. So I guess the first thing, uh, welcome, by the way, Pooja. Um, this is going to be number one, the very first episode, and I guess... We'll just kind of start, I'll let you introduce yourself and then I'll kind of explain how my story of how we know each other. Okay. Um, so how, how do we know how to introduce myself? Uh, my name's Pooja. I live in Ottawa and uh, I am an actor and um, yeah, I feel like that. I don't really know what else to say about myself other than what I what I currently do <laughs> well not currently do because of quarantine but yeah. Uh, yeah I don't really have a spiffy well thought out intro for myself <laughs> that's okay well maybe rather than just a title who who do you feel you are who is Pooja um Pooja is a uh a, like a fun cheery usually cheery kind of person who likes to dance and do childish things like eat cotton candy and baking. <laughs> That's super funny. Okay. Uh, I'm actually going to tie that in quick because everything you just said, I actually remember um, how Pooja and I know each other is when I lived in Ottawa, I'm currently in Vancouver. Um, Pooja and I, I'd actually reached out on Facebook, I believe it was, just to try and collaborate with other people on this idea I had about um, having conversations with more meaning with people. And at that time, I think it was currently about strangers um, in specific. And we had met with a few people and had this idea and recorded a little bit of this one conversation that I had with Pooja. And we kind of had the same question come up and um, dancing was one of the things I remember specifically, but I didn't actually remember until you said the things, but cotton candy and baking were two of the specific things you said that I remember. Cause I was just like, Oh, cotton candy. Like it's a random, like sweet that just like popped in her mind. That's like something very unique to you. But at the same time, you wouldn't think of someone like in my own mind, at least to just automatically pop up cotton candy. So I instantly like remember that when you said it. <laughs> um, one of the other things, though, I guess I would like to know a little more about is we talked a little bit about an ashram trip that you took. And I want to kind of know where, what point were you at in your life? And then like, was this at the point of acting? Was this before or after? And what did you come out of that experience? What was it like? And what do you feel you came out after with? Like, difference, I guess. 
Yeah. Um, so I went there in 2011, but before I, well, actually 2012, before I went, I was, um, so I used to work as a um, associate producer for CTV here in Ottawa and um, for this political show. And then I, uh, I, I wanted to, I just kind of sort of had enough. I didn't feel like, um, you know, this is what my life was meant to be just, you know, nine to five sort of typical job and go, go, go. I was checking your phone and having to just, you know, be in the know all the time about the news. And, um, and so I decided just that I was going to go overseas and do some volunteering. And so I just, I quit. And then within two weeks found, um, decided that I was going to go to Cambodia <laughs> and literally just, uh, got my stuff and, um, just got myself sorted out and figured I was going to go to Cambodia, got a one-way ticket and was going to go volunteer there for four weeks. Uh, I ended up staying there longer. I think it was six weeks that I ended up staying there and I loved every minute of it. I was volunteering with children, teaching them acting. Nonetheless, we ended up putting on this play and stuff. And then from there, I just, um, I just, I didn't, I didn't have a ticket back home. I, my idea was, my plan was to, you know, do, you know, Cambodia and then maybe a few other places close by and then eventually end up in India and, and then come back, you know, maybe six months, a year tops. And, um, you know, it, it just went, it was differently. It was just different. Um, my plans kind of went out the window. I extended my stay in Cambodia. I um, met a friend and we traveled Cambodia together and other places. And I did a whole, you know, a lot of places in Southeast Asia. And then, um, yeah. And then eventually when I got to India, it was 2012. It was already six months in and I had no plans of wanting to go back to Ottawa and my life there. So I, um, you know, got to India and decided like, okay, I'm going to go because I wanted to go to different ashrams um, to sort of, you know, just lifelong questions about life <laughs> and the unknown and what this, like, what is it all about? What's going on here? And so I wanted to go to different ashrams. I wanted to go to one and then another one and, you know, see the country as well. But I, I, I think I was in India for about just a couple of weeks and I had scrolled down um, the name of this one particular ashram uh, from this. I found it when I was still living in Ottawa. This When the movie Eat, Pray, Love came out. I don't know if you know that movie with Julia Roberts. I haven't seen it, but I know what you're talking about. Yeah. That movie. <laughs> that, movie um, that movie came out and everyone went crazy about because she ends up going to an ashram. So it was a big fad, like ashrams, whatever. And so this one Canadian woman wrote this article Toronto Star newspaper article blog type thing and I had seen it so I jotted down a note of this ashram so I get to India and I open up this notebook that I've had that I've been jotting notes down while I've been traveling and I was like oh this ashram like let me just call them up because I was in New Delhi and I was about to just start traveling around India and um, I called them and it was just it was very strange it was just felt like a call to I, I just have to go there it was kind of out of my way, out of my budget, but there was like a strong voice inside that was like, just go. Um, so I ended up there and uh, it, it was in 2000, July, I think 2012. I entered in the gates and instantly felt like I was home. And then, yeah, and then I was planning to stay there just a couple of weeks and then that just turned into four, four years. <laughs> Whoa. That sounds like such a journey, first of all. Um, and then just to kind of tail end the end of the original question was, uh, what do you feel from the beginning of that journey when you spontaneously decided to kind of get everything together, quit your job and uh, start going to the first ashram? What, what do you feel you gained um, maybe just as an individual when you came back and when you got back to Ottawa and started readjusting to everything again, to normal life, quote unquote, as we call it or called it. Yeah. Um, I think just being aware, uh, being aware that you are not your aware. And, and, you know, I had, you know, stuff happens when you're meditating like two times a day for hours and, um, you know, living in that kind of atmosphere where everyone is sort of like on their own inner journey, things happen. And um, I changed and 
it wasn't so much me noticing I changed, but um, other other people noticed. People, my family, friends noticed that I had changed, and it wasn't until they said it that I was like, oh, okay, maybe I have. Um, and I think the you know one of the things now after it's been I've been now in Ottawa four years since I left the ashram, and I think um, it's just sort of a realize. I mean, the realization I had there that you're actually not your your mind, you're not your body, you're not what you think you are, um, your pure consciousness, everyone is in their, in their, you know, pure, true essence is a consciousness, which is awareness, which is really nothingness. So, and that you can be aware of your thoughts and you can actually stay in the present moment. And when you're in the present moment, there is no you, you cease to exist. There's no past, there's no future. There's like a uh, a nothingness, but in that nothingness is like everythingness. So I think, I think for me, what I, what I gained was, I actually didn't gain, I lost something, which, which is good. I lost the limitations of who I thought I was. Yeah. I like that. And it, I, it's again, I remember you saying some of these things the last time we chatted and, um, I remember the feeling too, then I actually kind of feel it now. And I don't know specifically what it is. And I don't know if it was an energy that I kind of got from you um, explaining it in that way. And maybe in just um, a way that I don't always hear, you know, people talk about consciousness and I definitely have explored, you know, like the separation of our thoughts and, and our emotions and seeing them as not who we are, but that we can separate and not have to attach ourselves to those things. Um, which is really a beautiful thought at the end of the day. But the second thing that I kind of thought that feeling could definitely be is also fear, you know, because it's so, um, and I imagine for a lot of people, whether a lot of people hear this or not, um, you know, that that feeling of fear is definitely probably presented, at least for myself, I know that um, it is. It is a little different and not used to how we're hearing about things right about how to deal with emotions or talk about them or but what I found in the limited time that I've been able to kind of catch myself in those moments I think that's been like the first baby step is just kind of for me being able to kind of catch yourself kind of caught up in an emotion or like a silly thought that kind of you start ramping up the story and creating you know a more negative or more whatever emotion you're kind of feeling kind of to ramp it up and um how I have been led to believe kind of let your mind believe that basically reaffirm yourself in your mind of these things and keep building it up and up um but yeah I think there is maybe just a little bit of a feeling of mixture of both like fear but also that little bit of kind of bliss was another way like blissful energy of just that idea alone and do you mean like fear of, uh, like do you feel, you feel fear when you like hear of like life described this way or what do you mean by? Um, I think when I say fear, I mean it more of like, um, and I don't, I don't think it's like a big feeling of fear, but just that sensation in your gut, but more of, more of the idea of it kind of questions our everyday norm of thinking sometimes just like our flow kind of um in a way just like caught me off guard of in a way of my own beliefs for a second and I don't it's also something I had heard before so I guess maybe my attention was caught because I had definitely heard that type of information before but I think um the way you presented it but just on the, not even really the level because I don't I believe you were kind of explaining it on a pretty basic term of what it is obviously it doesn't it's not a simple thing to do um I can imagine I like I said I only take baby steps on this myself but um yeah it's kind of you hear this stuff or when I say stuff what did you ever hear of like the first place um mindfulness books I would say um, I have one on my shelf right now called Wherever You Go, There You Are. Um, and it's a, yeah, I really, really like that book. I got it from a thrift shop in Tofino, actually. 
I'd heard about it from a friend and I had randomly found it and some of the pages were a little um, water, just a tiny bit waterlogged because it had been outside over a shelter. She gave it to me for like $2 and I finally read it. There's another one called Understanding Your Mind um, by, I'm going to butcher this name, but Thick Not Han. Yeah, yeah. I have a hard time saying his name too, but yeah. Yeah, so um, I started that one as well and some of those things and then just um, a lot of um, YouTube videos, you know, like some some people really um, not even talk about it on that level, but have kind of helped me explore it and further curiosity um, and kind of like go down the rabbit hole is kind of how we would say it, I guess. But for me, I find it very easy to do that. Once I find interest in something, I find, I think, I mean, I, I imagine a lot of us do it that way. But yeah, when I find interest or get curious about something, it's just like zoom like right down and yeah, everything. But I don't know. I think that's also where we can generate focus. Um, but there was one specific thing that just popped into my mind that I think can kind of go off of what we're talking about. And that was when um, you were talking about this specific ashram that you had heard of um, from the blog and you heard this voice and it was like this calling. And would you, what would you call that or what would you how would you express what you felt that that calling was if you kind of could I know it's I well I, I think everyone has it everyone has that voice inside it, it like intuition like a deep a deep knowing you know and I think we have that um daily daily you have this voice that's sort of like whispering something to you and then you don't listen and then it starts saying something a little louder you still don't miss it listen and then it starts like banging on the door and you still don't listen and then it has to like throw bricks at you until you do listen and by that I mean I'm speaking metaphorically but what it is is like and again maybe this is a little bit like people wouldn't like to hear this but you know a lot of like disease and illness in my belief and in my experience in life you know has to do with life trying to wake you up you know because you haven't been listening um so it's a it's a it's sort of like a wake-up call um, I don't know if you've heard of this author, Nita Murjani, who had terminal cancer, stage four cancer. And um, when she was dying, basically, she had a near-death experience. So she left her body and um, saw everything. And there was no way every doctor, they, they sent her reports like all over the world to all the top surgeons. And they said, there's just no way that someone with, you know, this stage of a cancer could ever come back and has ever, ever um, survived. She survived and the cancer cleared within weeks. Um, and she knew when she was on the other side, we'll, we'll call it the other side, other dimension or whatever, um, that she got cancer because she lived her life in fear. Um, I was trying to please people and doing what other people wanted her to do and not really listening to what she wanted to do. And, and so, you know, when I went there and I felt like, wow, I'm home, I had that strong feeling and then right away, the mind's like, I don't know, but you've got a plan. You've got your lonely planet. You're going to go to all these places. You have to do this. And you can't just stay in one place. And half your stuff's in Delhi. So you're going to do this. You're going to stay here for like a week, a week and a half. And your mind's like, Ooh, you know, and then um, it's just sort of like um, letting go to the idea that you know what's best for your life. You know, a lot of the times I think, especially during this time in quarantine, I feel like it's kind of been a wake up call for people because we like plan, plan, plan. And we know, and like this time my life is gonna be, and then life is like, not really, <laughs> you know, this is what's gonna happen. You're gonna sit inside and do nothing, you know? Yeah. Um, because life just, it has other plans, you know? It's like, what's that saying? Like, um, life happens when you're busy making plans or something like that. I think I feel like I'm saying it wrong, but probably either, either way, either way. I think your point, yes, is definitely across. Yeah. And I think this is a hard time for people, um, you know, in many, in many ways in different aspects, but one of them, you know, is a, it's a clear thing that you can make plans all you want, but you know, life is life will have other plans. And sometimes you just kind of have to, listen to that to that voice and I think it speaks to us all the time and I always try to I try to I mean it's not always easy in the world and the system that we have created that we live in because those voices are so strong and influences and energies around you are so strong that they 
um, it's hard to quiet out those voices and know what is right for you, which may be completely wrong for someone else and may look mm. on the outside surface as very wrong. I mean, I, I was working at CTV making a good living and I would have climbed up the ladder and would have gone places. And um, I was, you know, elbow rubbing with political people and like literally, you know, and uh, it was a good, great job. And people would have killed for that job, but there was like that tiny little voice and that little energy feeling just wasn't good. And it was just, I knew it wasn't, it wasn't for me. And had I, you know, if I didn't listen to it, I think, I'm not sure what I, where, what my state would be in right now, if I, if I hadn't, you know, maybe I would be, you know, real riddled with anxiety every day and be taking medication for that. And, um, you know, and, and, and have bone problems and aches and pains and stuff like that. And, you know, sometimes I, I do, again, this is my belief and probably very controversial to people, but, you know, there, obviously there's real illnesses and, and, and such, but, you know, sometimes when things come on when you're like, you know, that just doesn't like, oh my God, my shoulder for the last year has been hurting. And I don't know, sometimes I think we need to look at not just the physical aspect of it, but it's like, what else is going on in your life? Like, are there other blockages yeah. where, you know, it's something that you're not listening to? Are you living really your true authentic life? Because I just know with me when I'm really, really full of joy and bliss, like my body's like buzzing and there's, you know, there's no ill health at all. You know, there's just yeah. no space for it. But when I get really down and whatever, it's like, oh, you, you tend to get sick more. Oh, this hurts. And, you know, it, it's just so. Absolutely. Not that people with, you know, actual conditions going on. It's not that you're saying that they, these conditions are like that because of this, but you know, like once you've had that happening over and over and over again, it can lead. Um, yeah, I'm just kind of taking, I, I as well believe um, in line with what you're saying. And yeah, I don't think that that's not like my, I know my mom has fibromyalgia and, you know, it's not that those things are a direct onset of that. It's that, you know, the longer those things pile up and, and drag on, and especially like when we don't deal with things um, in our own mind or in our own life that are going on that, you know, they'll lead up. I had, I had shingles when I was 21 years old and I found out, you know, like 50, 60 year old men are getting that, not 21 year old men. And yeah, it really made me reevaluate things, you know, and I knew at that point that was something that was staying around for life like that yeah like the 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 flare-ups and the physical like pain and everything in the shingles will be gone but in in the end like that's something that can come back any day at once if my immune system gets low enough if my stress levels get high enough is what i got told so you know to me i kind of flip the switch and i use it as my little stress stress monitor is what i call it and mm -hmm. I can, I can kind of feel a little like jolt of pain when I'm stressing out or, you know, like my emotions get out of whack or my immune system starts to get low, you know, and I try and use that as an, a little awareness to mm -hmm. kind of, Hey, you, you need to kind of drop, drop that gauge down or you need to kind of swing it in the other direction, whatever it may be. But yeah, it's those things that are there, like you were saying to, I believe, show us something. And I remember at the worst of it, I was like puking and like really, really sick in the bathroom um, at one point. And I just remember I had this moment where I had a friend who had passed away in high school. And he had these bracelets that were like his bracelets that were made up for him. And it said, I believe on it. I was um, in his obituary. There's a poem called I Believe that he had made in high school. Um, he, he was just in high school when he passed. He's, 16 17 and uh i remember looking at that bracelet and i actually took it off and i don't my mind was out of it but i don't know why i took that thing off but i just remember thinking um i gotta want you to see this you know like it doesn't make any sense but i was just like i don't want you to see this right now and but then i remember like in that moment i remember thinking like this is the worst i've ever felt this is the most pain i've ever been through but I was hanging around the toilet and I just thought to myself, like, there's going to be another side to this. 
you know, I looked over at that bracelet and that bracelet was a symbol that there wasn't a physical, like another side for my friend. He will always live on through how I present myself and how I hold his piece of character within me. Yeah. But I, I knew in that moment, like I wasn't going to die. Like that's where it clicked to me. Like this isn't going to kill me right now that like, I'm hanging around this toilet feeling like absolute trash. But a couple of days from now, a week from now, I'm going to be okay. Mm-hmm. You know? And that was like a really, really humbling feeling because it made me realize that like I was going through that pain, but that pain wasn't something that la- would last forever. And that, that, mental thought alone and just that little perspective shift um helped me go through the pain a little better you know not that it didn't hurt not that but it the way i looked at the pain changed how i went through the pain it'll it'll pass you know yeah yeah and that's like a lot of things like just to remember like this too shall pass (laughs) yeah and i just to know that yeah after a couple of days after a week most things, you know, you don't, you're not going to die from even the worst of the worst that happens. Usually you're like so stressed about it. I'm like, oh my God, I just totally messed up. And, or whatever it may be, you end up not, you know, dying from it. And, and then if you do, well, yeah. then it was your time to go. <laughs> yeah. And that's okay you know, too. That's yeah. Like, <laughs> you know, and not even into like, in a way related to now, you know, it's, this is all real and stuff, but we take a look at how, when you were saying earlier about how life has kind of been stopped, like we're used to going so fast and everything's at a stop. And like, now it's kind of the question I wanted to tie this in because you talk, like we, we've been talking about how, um, you know, the way we kind of live and our mindfulness and everything could be very well leading into, um, you know, some of our illnesses in the way, um, our physical kind of health is affected by what's yeah. going on inside. And so my question to you, when you kind of talk about that call and that voice of the intuition um, from these illnesses and them being a certain call, looking deeper and on a bigger spectrum with what we're going through right now, what in just like in your belief, obviously neither of us are scientists or anything, but what is the call? Like, what is this? What do you believe like this, this stoppage, this whole, oh. our regular life is here to show us? Like, what's, Probably what's very controversial. <laughs> yeah, totally. And it's not here. This is just like open conversation. This isn't fact or fiction. Most just... people, as long as you promise Dylan, no one's going to like come after me with like, <laughs> we want to kill her. <laughs> Um, should we even okay first of all should we no i mean even, i don't think it's that i know like i've talked to my friends about it and and i think i just think not, talking on the perspective you know if we're looking at it at this angle then if we were taking this angle at a current event uh what would your perspective be on just a a, a different on what's, angle what's going on right now not even, say say there was a situation, not what's going on right now, let's say there was a situation where everything came to a halt and we were for some reason to be held inside in all of our houses and couldn't come well, out for a while. What would you feel that maybe a calling like that would be? Well, I think, okay, so, I mean, we can, I, I again, I, I say it's controversial only because I know that there's so many, you know, there's such a polarity when it comes to like, happening with this quarantine some people yeah. feel like it's a hoax and it's like overwhelming. and we'll only take a couple of minutes this isn't uh yeah we won't go into depth in this but uh, yeah. yeah and i just think that right now like you know i mean with everything stopping it's just like the earth needs to heal i mean there's been so many facts that you know or even science has said that the earth like certain ozone layer ozone layers are healing and i think it's really just earth being like well you've done enough beating me, like beating me up and hurting me. So, um, you know, I need to heal. So I know we see it on a human level, like all these people are dying and, you know, and it's terrible, you know, people are getting infected and dying and stuff like that. But 
there's a there's a greater intelligence there that knows what it's doing and uh and i think the earth just needs a break i mean and animals i mean they say that more animals have come out and um animals get louder there's especially birds they get louder when when there's no sound around no human sound mm. so with less sound the birds are probably singing louder and oh my goodness puja the birds out here they're already nice in vancouver but out here right now you wake up in the morning and i've been waking up you know around seven seven o'clock uh, pacific time here and going out for a walk down to the park and i could even have a call with someone and they can hear the birds just going absolutely you know and, and another point is water you know like water is clearing up in places you see the canals yeah. um you know over in that what was it paris i think i saw that they're, yeah, they're like right? clearing completely up like you know you take a look to take a step back and not even talk about the, the virus itself but just how we've impacted this uh -huh. beautiful place we live on you know and for what gain you know like yeah we're going through this right now but maybe that's kind of what we need to kind of look at hey like yeah this is going on but what happens in 10 years if we were to keep polluting and keep doing all the nasty things to this planet that we're doing mm -hmm. and you know and like what's what's going to happen to us from that and maybe this is a reflection of that who knows i don't but yeah. you know it's it's not good and i think at this point in 2020 we all most of us understand that so maybe that's a, a good uh point to kind of start winding down maybe towards the ending in our uh, little outro we're going to take five minutes here at the end and kind of go over a couple things but um is there anything maybe going off of everything we said you feel might have been left out or any maybe questions um you feel you didn't get to ask on your end um nothing that comes up immediately yeah, I can't really think of anything right now. Um, yeah, no. Cool. Um, the one thing I do, I think, want to just explore in a couple minutes before we go is kind of had a time to, at the beginning, I asked you who Pooja was when you told me what you did as an, you're an actress and, you know, you worked for CV, CTV. Um, and... I think we've had the time to explore a little bit about who you are, but I want to take a step back to again before you took this journey and the point you were at when you kind of decided to quit and all this. Who who was Pooja then? If that's not too much, you know, to ask. <laughs> yeah, no, I think uh, Pooja then was very much... Uh, uh, lost, <laughs> um, lost, confused, um, just always had a longing to um, know something else and know what life was about. Um, and just not just not happy, not knowing that what I was doing was not what I was meant to be doing. Um, it didn't seem to have any sort of meaning, meaning, you know, it was just like, okay, you get a job, and then you I mean, a lot of, like, even throughout my life, even as a kid, I, it was sort of question stuff and no one was ever to, able to give me, like, satisfying answers to my questions about, you know, existential stuff, even when I was really young. And I had questions when I was, yeah, very, very young. And um, and so I think it was just like a matter, it, was just, it just kept building up. And so while I was working this, you know, great job on the outside, looked wonderful to everyone, um, it just... I just started questioning again that, you know, is this, is this it? Like you just go to school and then you uh, go to college, university, and then you, you get a job and then you make money so that you can buy stuff and then you make more money so you can buy more stuff. And, and like, it just didn't, I didn't, I didn't, I didn't know for me, it just didn't, something just didn't feel right. And I was like, this can't be yeah. it. Like this can't be why the earth was created. Like, whatever this intelligence is, whether, whether there, there is no God or there is, or whatever it is, whatever's going on does not seem like it's just on, just based on getting a nine to five job. You know what I mean? Like it doesn't feel like it could be that 
bland. You know what I mean? Like you have like all these amazing creatures yet human existence is about getting a job and sitting in an office. Like that something doesn't make sense, you know, like that can't be it. <laughs> yeah. So what point, mm, I'm just, I'm really curious as to what there is obviously a line, you know, there was where you kind of wanted to take it. And I think inside kind of explaining that you did know to a certain extent, that's what you wanted to do. It was just maybe on some level, fear, doubt, confidence, opinions, of others. But what did it take for you to just take that step over the line? Cause most of the time, I mean, as big of the steps as they are, I feel like, you know, you made a pretty giant step, but what I feel at least in my own personal experience, is that when we get over that line, you realize you didn't have to jump as high to get over it as you might have thought you had to. Does that make sense? So, yeah, like, by the time you get over, like, you look at it as this huge, maybe, let's say, like, a wall stopping you from getting those things. And that might that wall might be, <clears throat> you know, bricks layered with doubt like I said, opinions from others, your own fears, um, you know, like just not having enough confidence, self-confidence, whatever physical or mental, um, you know, obstacles might be in your way. Those are all the bricks that layer this wall that we don't think we can get over, which in turn are, is really just the wall of our limiting beliefs. But once we get over that wall that seems so, you know, high and strong, or sometimes going through the wall, you realize it was kind of just a, a line painted on the floor that all you had to do was kind of take a step over. Not that it was as easy as crossing a line, but you realize that that's all you really had to do to to make the leap to do it. Um, well, that's an interesting way to look at it. Yeah, I mean, I think um, at the time when I was, you know, deciding what I wanted to do or just I felt just terrible most of the time I remember leaving work like I would leave work driving home and just be crying but for no reason so I didn't really understand what was going on and I just knew that like very deep down I was just not happy at all um but I didn't know what the step was I didn't know what I needed to do and I didn't know how to get out of it and I just I just very funny. I actually wanted to press pause and stop on everything and just give up the life I was living. Um, and so I had always kind of dreamed about volunteering and going to live somewhere else and just doing that for a while. And so when I did eventually, at the time, it seemed huge, like, oh my God, you're going to quit. Like what? Just out of the blue, you know? And yeah. it was just frustration, like frustration built up so much that um, frustration and um, suffocation. So, you know, when like someone's like suffocating you, I don't like, not that you know. <laughs> not physically, you know? yeah, but like, I know what you mean, but even you mean right. it on a metaphorical level. Though, yeah, you just feel like you're it. suffocating, you know, it's almost like to, to tap out, you know, if someone, if you're getting in a fight and someone's like going to hold you and then when you really cannot take anymore, you're going to tap out. Yeah. It was like that. It was like getting there, getting there, getting there. And then I felt like so I was you couldn't so breathe. suffocated that I was like, no, 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 I need to quit. Like today and I, I literally gave my notice and was like I'm leaving like oh. I cannot wait I don't even think I waited the full two weeks like I could not I couldn't breathe I knew that if I didn't leave right then that I was going to jump out a window like it was so at the end and it sounds very dramatic but it was really it felt just was like there was you know, it just felt huge at the time and um and and you know taking that step at the, and it wasn't until people told me after like wow that's so brave that you did that and it didn't feel like a brave thing for me it felt like a necessity <laughs> feel like well yeah. I kind of I had to I didn't feel like I had a choice um it wasn't yeah. something I decided like should I do this and should I not and humming and hawing about it it was just like circumstances and the, what was going on inside of me what was bubbling inside of me it was like I was going to explode literally almost and so to cross that line and to be like, I'm going to quit and just go to Cambodia. Um, it, what, it was just, yeah, it kind of, I just had, I had to do it. I don't know if that answered your question, but. Yeah. Yeah. So the way I look at that is how I m imagine that was um, I thought of 
the wall, the brick wall we are talking about, um, but the side that you're on is on fire. And you know that it's either you stay in the fire and you're done or you're finding a way over that wall. <clears throat> so then I guess just to quickly, the last little thing would be when you got on the other side of that wall, that doesn't have to be getting back home. Um, we briefly talked about that, but maybe even when you got there and just got the leap, you got on that plane and took your first step over there um, or got to the first ashram, whatever it might have been that defining moment for you. If and when you can kind of reflect on looking back at that wall that you just crossed, did it ever feel like that wall might have looked a little bigger or that you conquered a giant wall or did it really seem like it might have been easier than you really put the stress or fear upon yourself? Um, well, that's the thing about looking back because when you look back, I'm looking at it from this perspective, but when I was there, I was a different person. So at that time, it did feel like a really big wall. Um, mm -hmm. Now, if I'm, if I'm, let, let's say like now at this moment in two months from now, I'm starting to feel like an inkling and a pushing to do something different or feel like I'm not living my authentic life. It wouldn't even get to that level. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, more so um, when, when you hopped over that wall, did you, did you have a moment where you looked back right after? Not even more so afterwards, like once you got over the wall or let's say even fence, once you hopped the fence, did you look back at the fence at all to see it, how big the fence actually looked from that side? You know what I mean? The, I guess in, in real terms without using the metaphor would be, did you uh, have the chance to reflect almost like right after jumping over that line uh, to really, yeah. You know, to be honest, I don't think I had... I didn't have time to reflect. I, it would happen really quick. I, um, I just felt a sense of, it's kind of like you escape, like you said, the burning house, right? Like, so you're in the house and there's a wall, right? And you have to, you either stay and get burnt or you get out. As soon as you get out and you're running, you don't really look back. You're just, you feel, I felt so free. And it was like, <sighs> you like just don't just, feel the fire. Is what you're saying, basically. Yeah, in that moment, you, it's not like you're feeling anything else. It's just... I just felt freedom. Like, I didn't look back and I didn't look back at my decision to leave. I was just so glad I yeah. left. Like, it that felt really... I was like, oh, my God, I was in a prison. Thank God I got out. What felt yeah. to me like was a prison. And I just felt glad that I got out. So as soon as I was, you know, on that plane to Cambodia, like, I couldn't even believe it. Like, wow, um, I did it. I I can't believe I just quit this amazing job and I'm here and I'm not, you know, going back. Um, but I didn't, at that time, didn't really reflect on, on that situation, you know, of quitting and whatnot until I encountered people back in my home life, like coming back, I came back to Ottawa to visit for like two months. And at that point, when people said like, wow, that's really brave, you know, you just have social gatherings and people talk and yeah. like, that's so brave of you that you, just left and it, for me I didn't it was then that I looked at it and was like what was that brave or what was that moment like for me you know I didn't really because it was so it felt like such trauma like ah burning house and like I have to get out you know yeah. and then yeah. I got out and I could breathe and I just felt freedom and so glad that I was out of there awesome yeah no no definitely I was actually I was kind of hoping that was the word you were looking for to describe that was freedom. That's kind of the word that popped into my head of what I thought, like, like I don't know, just when you were explaining yourself before you got to freedom, like what was going into my head was freedom. And when you did, I was like, yeah, yeah, that, uh, that's what I relate with to that feeling for sure. It's the feeling, not that it is or isn't that, but that's what I feel. I remember people telling me like, um, you know, when they say, oh, that was brave and like what you were afraid and stuff. And uh, it's funny because at that time you don't, because it's like, well, the choice is either going back into that burning house or go this way, which is so unknown. Like the path that I was going on was completely unknown. No one yeah. I know just takes a one-way ticket to Cambodia. Like, I don't know anyone who had done that. So yeah. when I, you know, and, and then that was, I think now when I look back at it, it was like, that was the moment, my journey of 
trusting life took over instead of trusting Pooja and what Pooja knows and what people around her and the voices tell her about what yeah. is right and what's wrong. Instead of listening to that, I started listening more to life and everything yeah. just kind of fell into place. It was so serendipitous. I know you said that you experienced that with your travels too, right? When you just kind yeah. of give up planning and organizing and figuring it all out. And then life is like, really, you think you have it all planned out? Well, I'm going to throw you this thing at you, yeah. you know? And, and it wasn't, it's funny because I did experience that. And I believe that when I was traveling, um, but it wasn't until I actually, I had already been, you know, like went and worked in different places in Canada, but, um, and went on the train, crossed the country on the train a bunch of times, been out East, but it wasn't until I hitchhiked from Vancouver. I hitchhiked Vancouver Island with a stranger I met on the train and we had actually hitchhiked from Vancouver back to Ontario. And that was kind of the defining moment, um, and something I don't talk about much, but I guess here's where I'm going to kind of talk about it now. But I'd actually got in a car crash. I fell asleep at the wheel um, about a week before I left for that trip. I had planned and I had a job. Um, it was my mom's car and it bent completely in half. I flipped three times in the air and I ended up in the ditch on the other side of the road. And uh, yeah, it was the scariest thing that's ever happened in my life. Uh, biggest before I took that train ride to go out there and met friends on the train who I ended up hitchhiking with one of them out to Vancouver Island, around the island, and then back across the country. So I was supposed to take a job out there, and I didn't take the job. Um, I was like, I had done this before. And after that experience, you know, like I honestly felt like I, sh I should have died. Like there's no way when I saw the car, like, there's no way. And I just came out with a scratch on my head that went away in two days. Um, or, like, three, four days. Like, wasn't even visible. Nothing. So, you know, like, it was definitely, like, one of the most, like, biggest blessings in my life. But it was kind of how I took it was, like, there's no way that should have happened. But, like, I have something to do here if something that serious can happen to me and I just walked away from it, you know, and I have my legs, I have my arms, I have full functionality of my physical body and my brain, you know, like I saw that as like you. After what it was that you were meant to do or you just knew that you had to be here mm. and why did you, I just, why do you feel like you had to go through a car crash in order to, you know, were you like, why did I have to go to, like, I know I need to be alive, but why do I need to go through a car crash? And like, what was it about the car crash that woke you up? Um, because the, I guess where I kind of began with this, where I thought what I was doing was it. I thought going and working in these places and experiencing this, having great conversation, meeting great people and actually having genuine conversation, you know, for once I felt like that I could connect with people on a deeper level that could actually want to have those conversations. Um, and I thought I was doing that, you know, and I also was slacking off a lot, procrastinating a lot. I wanted to do these things. I wanted to get better at photography. I wanted to do more in videography. And I, I, I just wasn't, you know, like I wanted to. I wasn't investing in myself. I wasn't... Um, you know, changing up the way I was doing things. I was just about to go on another trip out to Jasper where I first started things in the first place and go do the same thing I already did. And and then I just felt like everything, and I had been home for longer than I normally was before I go out and travel. And, yeah, I think it was life just kind of being like, hey, man, like, you forgot the bigger picture. And, like, this is kind of a warning, you know? What do you think the bigger picture is? Um, impact. And I think we're all, I don't fully, fully know what my impact on this world is yet, but I feel like when you talk about that calling and that intuition, first thing that pops into my mind is Joseph Campbell and the hero's journey. And when we think about the hero's journey, I think about when you talk about the call, I instantly think of the call to adventure and how we begin this journey. You think of any great movie like Star Wars, you know? Um, and like Luke Skywalker gets called off to the journey of his lifetime. And, um, but that, that is like our call for impact and like where we can actually make impact in this world and make a difference, um, while we're here and hopefully, um, 
lasting in those people past the time we are here physically. Um, you know, and when I look at my friends, I've had a few friends who've passed away uh, at a young age and how I came to kind of philosophize that in my own head at that age was that they can live on as long as I take the characteristics that I most enjoyed about them and that made them who they were, you know, until like, I remember specifically sitting in um, these funeral homes uh, with all these people and thinking of all the, like the large number amount of people in these small towns, my town was 7,500. There's probably over like hundreds and hundreds of people in these. And it just made me think like, this is how many people this one person impacted in a small town, you know? And like that, like each and every one of us is going to carry you with us as long as we live, whether we know it or not. Luckily, like for myself, I believe that like I consciously carry that with myself for my two buddies, especially, um, you know, but yeah, it's to answer your question, like it comes down to the same one word, but impact, um, you know, I think we're all here to do it and do it in different ways. And when you talk about that call and it getting to the point where the fire is literally burning and you can only either sit there and burn or jump over is, you know, where it's like, Hey man, you know, like just do it, you know? And that's for me, um, why I felt like on the other side, it's just a line because it's not as hard as we think it is, you know, like it came down yeah. to me, like my big jump lately was coming out to Vancouver and getting a job in film with absolutely no experience. And it was because I knew one guy from at one point in my journey who at that random moment in time had a room available in his house and could connect me with possibly maybe a day in film. And I jumped and I did it. And because I had jumped all those times with the hitchhike and going to these other jobs, it didn't feel, it was just me walking over a line again, but it was, you know, a new thing. I'd never been out here. The film industry, what? Like, I would love to do that, but like, I don't have any experience to back me up. I get out here and I had to work within four hours. And, yeah. and the next day I got work for the next week and for the next three weeks. And then at the end of that three weeks, I got um, asked by another department. I moved up departments into lighting. And it's like these things. I think in those when, moments, too, you kind of like let go of your Dylan's idea of how it should yeah. be land in Vancouver and you kind of let life like it's it was serendipitous like you got you just be yeah. like it all just when you let go it's almost like when you let go of this like structured idea and plan and hold on to things and hold on to how you want your life to look like when you let that go life is like yeah. whoosh you know gives you all these things yeah I feel like you know and it, I want to just like when you were saying about how you had that car crash. Um, yeah. Remember how I was talking about how like life gives you like a whisper and then it says like shouts a little louder and then it bangs on the door and then it gives you an illness or a car crash, right? Like maybe yeah. that's just it. And it's like, now I feel like I'm better to be able to hear that voice quickly. It's quick before it's like the, the voice would be there and I'd be like, mm, okay, I'll call a friend and mm, okay, go out for drinks, you know? And that's what most yeah. people do. We're busy, busy, busy. And that's what this life has become is that like, you just keep, you just keep making yourself busy. And when you're, you think when you're busy, you're useful, you know? And like, this is now showing yeah. people like, you know, stop, stop with yeah. the, with the go, go, go. And, um, and you know, look inside, figure out what's yeah. going on inside instead of just like, keeping your mind busy and you know yeah. and to listen to what's and, happening inside. yeah and basically yeah i feel like what we're trying to break this down into is that when it gets to this point it's it come it basically manifests itself into a physical experience like beyond a whisper into a person literally looking at you and saying what are you doing and physically giving your whole body and mind a shake Mm -hmm. you know and that's what it felt like for me it was just like that moment of like what are you doing man yeah this is what you want to do and this is like that would have been it 
that would have been it. And that's all you did. And that's the way I looked at it. It was like that, that would have been the end. And that's like, I, I made the impact I felt on the people I was around, but like not even close to what I could have done. And that's what scared me most was that I could have done not with more time, but with the time that if that was it, with the time I had, there's so much more I could have done. Mm-hmm. And that scared the shit out of me. And from then on, yeah. It was does that motivate thing. you now to not procrastinate and to like use, you know, do things that you really wanted to do with your time as opposed to, you know, I don't know. Yeah, it definitely. And I mean, it doesn't mean that these things don't still happen. Um, you know, and I still like, hold myself accountable and can feel myself like maybe getting down on myself but I also am coming to understand more that like you can't just be a 150 miles an hour either I can't just be super productive doing all day long like I also know how my mind works how my focus works and I have to engage myself differently to get in certain mind spaces you know I know that I'm an extrovert and I and that doesn't mean that I just lose attention quick but it just means that um, you know, I like to socialize. I live with roommates. Mm-hmm. I've really got to take the time, know my times, engage myself in a way in activities and certain things that will kind of get me to that space. Mm-hmm. And now I can use the same amount of time I would try to be productive to just be productive and be okay with if I'm productive for half an hour rather than be like, I have to sit down and do two hours. It's just like, if I sit down, I'm productive when I start to lose focus or I'm not doing it with the same oomph or the same energy that I know, like, that I know I'm, mm-hmm. am given, then it's like, okay, step away. Go, right. go, go eat something, come back, right. go take a walk, go take a walk, go, you know, maybe just change up the activity. If I'm reading, maybe go write, you know? And it's, it's as simple as that. It really is. It's not easy by any stretch of the imagination. It's just like it, it's simple stuff that do it really feel like, came down to. And do you feel like now if you were to, um, you know, God forbid something happens and it's your time, like you find out like you've got a week left or something, would you feel regret that you didn't do <laughs> what you needed to do? Or do you feel like, no, okay, I'm I'm living the kind of life I want to be living and hey, if it's my time to go, then. Um, I feel like if that time were now, the reg- the regret, because there would be one, and it would be that with everything, you know, that's gone on the last couple of months that I didn't get home and, like, see my family. Because, like, to not see, like, my nieces and nephews before all that went down when I know, like, you know, like, this kind of, this, I could have been home before we all got stuck inside and stuff, possibly, you know, made my way home. But, like, the only regret would be that, like, I wouldn't get to be with my family for that little extra bit and that I spent this last year for me you know but uh I do believe that if it were to end now that I was going in the right direction to make the type of impact that I plan to make yeah and you know I find that really like interesting it seems like it's like what a lot of people would say in terms of like you know, if you were to die now, what, you know, regrets or whatnot, it's, uh, it's kind of like that book Tuesdays with Maury. Have you read that book? No, I haven't. Oh my God. It's like, that's like the, like a lifetime, like everyone must read Tuesdays with Maury. Um, All right. Yo, I'll make sure, uh, I'll make sure I get your books that you recommended linked in the description in case anyone wants to read them. And that way I can actually remember to read them myself. (laughs) long story short he talks about this the the man that's dying um you know says you know in the end you don't you know you don't think about those random people that you've met you know it's like it's about um good solid relationships you know and that's usually like family relationships you know and it's like we should remember that on our day-to-day life when we're busy 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 and i don't have time for this and you know go 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 you know at the end of the day the people that really care about you are like you know maybe five people instead of all those people that you were trying to dress a certain way to impress people and buy certain things so you look good in this society and it's like end of the day at your funeral it's going to be you know the ones that really remember you and the ones that are really going to be missing you are what people you can count on your your hands and that's it and so many times we live like our life with like you know i've done it too you know especially when you're young you, you want to be popular you want to be this and you want to impress this person and it's like you know the person that loves you most unconditionally is 
probably your mom, you know, who accepts you with zits and with everything, you know, with all yeah. your flaws. And it's like, it's the one person that will, will, you know, is your biggest fan, you know? And it's like, but Absolutely. we're trying to impress everyone else when no one else really cares or it doesn't really matter, you know? No, I totally, yeah, absolutely. And at the end of the day, okay, so I guess I want to take what you just said, but everything you said, and what what would you rope, if you could take this conversation and kind of rope it into a message um, for someone? Because I definitely feel, you know, if there's even one person out here who feels like they relate to any of the struggles of like the fire you felt like you went through and the wall that was in front of you, um, what's maybe just one message you'd give to someone um, if they're listening and relate to the fire that you felt you were in? Um, um, I'd probably say just trust the, trust life, trust life. Even though it looks fearful, trust the unknown of life. I like that. Yeah. Okay. Well, I mean, we were going to do the little flash five. We talked about Pooja. Um, I feel like we talked about a lot of them. We've also crazy enough. It's been almost the hour mark now. Wow. Okay. We should. No, no doubt. Eh. I also. So, due to some technical difficulties that we've encountered in releasing the first episode of the Curiosity Curve, we have lost the last minute of footage and audio for the podcast. In this minute, I thanked Pooja for being the first guest on the podcast, and also was able to get social media, or if you would like to reach or get a hold of Pooja, um, ways to do so, which I will link down below in whichever service you're listening or watching this from currently. Thank you for watching the first episode of The Curiosity Curve. Join us next week for episode two, where T-Bomb will be joining us. Have a great day, guys. Stay curious and raise that curve. <laughs>